This sermon is intended. I'll, I'll tell you what I want to accomplish in it. I want to I nudge you. I want to bump you. I want to shove you if need be. I'd rather inspire you to become more of a servant than you are now. In all of life, to move through all of life as a servant, how can I serve here? How can I serve, I go to work and you're the boss. How can I serve the people who work for me? You're going to marry a woman. Please do not marry her saying, good, so she can serve me. No, you marry a woman so you can serve. You need to be like Jesus Christ. I'm marrying her to serve and to give my life for her benefit, her blessing, her well-being, her joy. I'm here to serve. You know when you have kids that you're there to serve. You're going to serve. That's a good model for moving through life. Serve. Especially when you come to church. Why do I say that? Because the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And the church of Jesus Christ is, and we are ambassadors, and this is where the ambassadors meet. This is an embassy an outpost of the kingdom of God on the planet. Every biblical local church is an embassy. The apostle Paul says, we are God's ambassadors. So we are here to do God's business. We are here to serve, and we especially want to serve in the embassy, in the kingdom outpost in this howling wilderness. We want to serve in the church of Jesus Christ. I guarantee you, if Jesus Christ was bodily on the planet, and he sort of is, we're the body of Christ, but if he was bodily individually on the planet and he came to Cornerstone Church, well, we'd all fall flat on our faces to start with, and none of us would want to talk or move or do anything because it's the king of kings, but he would come here every Sunday to do what? Yeah, he would. He wouldn't just come in and go like, look, I'm the king of kings. I'm from heaven's glory. Y'all serve me. Thank you very much. Now he would come in the door, where can I serve today? Who can I serve today? How can I help out today? What can I do today? He came to serve. Today, we're calling today Serve Sunday. This is Serve Sunday. By the way, we have a couple other Sundays with names coming up. The last Sunday in this month, January, I believe it's, is it 31st? I believe it is, is, um, is um, core Sunday. We're having a core meeting that afternoon, a Zoom core meeting. What time is it, Cindy? 1.30? I don't know. It's somewhere in there. Please be at that core meeting. If you've ever joined us in a core meeting, please join us online for that core meeting. And then we have Super Sunday on Super Bowl Sunday. We have Super Sunday. Because that's when we go to two services, February 7. So we have a couple of Sundays with names coming up. Today is Serve Sunday. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at serving in the Bible. I wish I had a lot of time. There's so much serving in the Bible. But we're going to look at some serving, what the Bible says about serving, how the Bible addresses us about serving, and then... After we've done that, I'm going to tell you how fortunate you are because we have openings. 
And by that point, you'll be dying to sign up somewhere, somehow. And did you notice there was a little card on your chair when you came in today? We're giving you a means by which you can sign up, and specifically how you can help us to get to two services, because we need to, because we don't want to shut the doors and say, sorry, us four no more shut the door. We need to keep making space for people to come and hear God's word, and we need you to help us do that. So serving in the Bible, and then opportunities. We're hiring. There's no pay. (laughs) But the retirement benefits are out of this world. (laughs) So we're hiring. Let's see how many of these we can get through in the time allotted to me today. Here's the first thing I want to say from God's word about serving. It's from the passage we already read. Serving makes you great. It makes you great. How can I be somebody in the kingdom of God? How can I be somebody in Cornerstone Community Church? That's easy. Serve. Serve the least of these. We'll talk about that later. Serving makes you great. We get this from the story. Let me review. She said to him, say, she knew he had authority to do this, say that these two sons of mine, here are my boys. These are my boys. It's mommy. I'm mommy. These are my, my boys. Say that they are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in the kingdom. No wonder the others were indignant. The nerve, the audacity of this woman, of all the people on the planet in those days, my two sons ought to be at your right hand and your left. A mother's love. My mother, my mother and father watch all of our services. They watch them on Wednesday nights. And every week my mother tells me, Stevie, and only she may call me that. <laughs> my mother says, Stevie, your sermons are the best I've ever heard. And, and, I, and I tell my father, you know, it's a face a mother could love, right? It's that thing. I'm her boy. She's my mother. They had this syndrome going on. But Jesus takes this opportunity. He seizes the teaching moment. And I'll show you the verses again, 26 through 28. Jesus says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as, he says, like me, just do what I do. Be like Christ. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give It's serving that makes you great. It's not about, I want to be somebody in the church. I want to be recognized in the kingdom of God. I want to have an office. I want to have a title. I want to have a name. No, it's where can I serve? How can I serve people? How can I serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Serving makes you great. Here's the second thing serving does in you and for you and through you. Serving makes you Christ-like. It makes you look like Jesus. We talk about being like Christ, right? Believers want to be like Christ. That's a goal in our lives. I want to be like Christ. What's that look like? When you become like Christ, you go everywhere you go to serve. You give your life for others. You are never more like Jesus Christ than when you deny yourself and serve. We're going to get this from John chapter 12, a great passage. It's the Last Supper. What happened? Quiz time. What happened 
right after the Last Supper, before they left the upper room, what happened after the Last Supper? That's it. Jesus washed their feet. You remember that. I'll read you this, and then we'll land on a few verses that I'll put up. Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. He took a towel. He tied it around his waist. That's what servants did. Their eyes are all big. What on earth is he doing? Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash their feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, my paraphrase, yeah, I know, you don't get it, but hang on, you'll get it. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my, wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Now, we come to John 13, 12, and I'll start putting this up for you. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you get it? In other words, I've just given you an object lesson. I I was doing that to show you something. I'm teaching you. I'm training you. You're to become like me. Did you get it? Do you understand what I have done to you? Let me explain it in case you didn't get it. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. So let's establish my position before we talk about what I did. I'm the teacher, and I'm the Lord. You got that right. So you know that part. Now, let's reason from that. Verse 14. If then, your Lord, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought, the word of obligation. Here is a moral imperative for you. Here's something you should do in the kingdom of God. You ought to wash one another's feet. There's a denomination, I believe it's the Brethren Church, they actually have foot washing ceremonies in their services sometimes. Why don't we do that? We understand this to be kind of metaphorical, it means serve each other. You could wash feet because it's time to wash feet in our service and everyone does it, so I guess I'll do it, and never serve anybody. The important thing here is not do you have a regularly scheduled thing you go through, but do you go through life serving? For I have given you an example, he says, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Take the posture of a servant in the presence of other people. Take the posture of a servant as you move through life. Serving makes you like Christ. He said, as I have done so you ought to do. It makes you like Christ. Now, let me just ask, whose feet are you washing? Whom are you serving? And since we're talking about this kingdom outpost in this howling wilderness, how are you serving in the embassy? Are you being like Christ and serving? Maybe if Jesus was here, he would be serving downstairs every week, downstairs with lots of little feet that need washing. Maybe he'd be serving as a greeter at the door, giving everybody a pleasant first impression to prepare their heart for the gospel and the word of God. 
He would be here serving. Here's the next point. Serving makes you a good steward. A good steward. A good steward. Don't think of like airplane steward or stewardess. Steward meaning you are someone to whom another commits their possessions for safekeeping. You're to take good care of them. And Peter chimes in on this in 1 Peter 4.10. And he says, as each has received a gift. If you're in the body of Christ, you're saved by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit dwells within you, and he gifts you for service in the body of Christ. You're here to serve. He gifts you to serve. And Peter chimes in and says, as each one of you, no exceptions, has received a gift, back please, use it. to serve one another as good stewards of that gift deposited in you, as good stewards of God's varied grace. It varies from believer to believer, from member to member. You're gifted to serve in this way, and they're gifted to serve in that way, and all together we make up the one body of Christ on the earth. And we want to be good stewards. The concept of a steward. Then Peter gives us examples of what he means, and he lumps all spiritual gifts into two broad categories. As each has received a gift, use it to serve. Next verse, please. Whoever speaks, there's one category. There are people in the body of Christ who need to be speaking downstairs, speaking God's word to our young ones. Out in the lobby, on our incognito floor teams. You don't know this. I shouldn't give it away. Some of you are guests today. And you were greeted by such friendly people in the lobby. They might have been plants. We have plants. They don't wear a uniform. They don't wear a badge. They're out there looking for anybody they don't know to greet them warmly to share the love of Christ. Um, they speak. So whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, make sure you give them God's word. So there's a broad category of those who speak, their speaking gifts. And then there's the second broad category, whoever serves. There are people who don't speak so much. They serve. Whoever serves, here's how you do it, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Do it by divine strength. Do it not in human power. And why both of these? Why speaking? Why serving? In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We're all stewards. The only question is, are you a good steward or a bad steward? We're all stewards. There's another passage about this where the Lord Jesus speaks to us about stewardship. It's in Matthew 25. We'll show some verses in a moment. It's called the parable of the talents. There's a man. He called in his servants. He entrusted some of his stuff to his servants. He gave five to one. Let's make it $5,000. He gave 5,000 bucks to one and said, take good care of that. Invest it while I'm gone. He gave to another one $2,000. Take good care of that. Invest it while I'm gone. He gave to another one $1,000. Take good care of that. Invest it while I'm gone. He went away. He came back. The one who got five had doubled it. And the master was pleased. 
You've been busy. You've been a good steward of what I entrusted to your care. The one to whom two was given, he made, he doubled it. He made four out of it. And the master was pleased. You've been busy. You've been very busy. And the one to whom he gave one said this. Next verse, please. Master, I didn't do anything with the one you gave me. Because I knew you to be a hard man. What do you mean by hard man? Here's what he means. I knew you would be reaping where you did not sow. In other words, I'd be down here sowing. I'd be doing all the work. You'd get all the profit. You'd get all the benefit. It's not for me. I don't do things that aren't for me. I don't do things that are for you. So I knew you're a hard man. You take all the profit. You're reaping where you do not sow, and you gather where you scattered no seed. I'd be down here scattering seed and scattering seed, and you're just going to come and take the fruit. I don't do that. I only sow seed where I get the goodies. I only serve where it benefits me. Jesus has very stern words for this pathetic steward. Next verse, please. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. It's wicked to say, no, God, I don't serve where you reap. I only serve where I reap. It's slothful to say, no, Lord, I don't double the one you gave me because you're just going to take the glory anyway. I only labor where I get the benefit. You knew that I reap where I have not sown. You knew I gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought, another word of moral obligation, here's what you should have done. You ought to have invested my money. It's a parable for stewards. He's given you money. He's given you gifts. He's given you opportunities. He's saying, you ought to make good out of those. Yes, they're for my kingdom. Yes, they're for the good of other people, souls. Yes, you'll be serving, and you're not going to reap the fruit, though there is fruit in serving, but you ought to give. Now, this is the point in the service where Siri just lit up again. Somebody write me and tell me how to turn Siri off on your watch. Not right now. You know, it'll appear on my watch right now. Um, this is the point where I tell you, I have a job. Don't know if you all know that, but I'm employed by Cornerstone Church. Love it. Love it. It's the best time I've ever had in my whole life being a pastor, and I've been a pastor since I was pretty young. And I don't know, uh, how, many, how many hours does the average full-time person work? 40 is 40 a norm? I just want you to know, if the church is paying me for 40, I'm way beyond 40. And I know that because I have a template for every day. Here's how I spend Sunday, here's Monday, here's Tuesday, here's Wednesday, and they vary. And here's how many hours I work on this day and that day and that day. And, and I know how many hours I work in a week. And it's way beyond that. I'm telling you that to say I'm volunteering. I'm served. I don't get to 40 hours and say, that's it, I'm done. In fact, I'll tell you the truth. As I see the day coming, I want to work more. I, I, want to, I, I don't want to damage my marriage. I don't want to work so much that Debbie's like, well, I don't want to damage my health. 
I only have one horse to ride. I got to feed the horse and exercise the horse and take care of the horse, lest it drop dead too soon. But I want to spend all the time I can possibly spend working and serving in the kingdom of God to see great things happen for eternity. There are people who are only doing it for an earthly crown who work 80 hours a week. Why shouldn't I be somewhat like them? How many of you saw our Christmas concert? Did you dig that? I've watched it three times so far. I love it. Do you know how many people served? Do you know how hard they served? I was here one Saturday where we were recording a little talk that I did in the middle of that thing, and I had to wait while they were working and working and working on getting songs they wanted right and doing things with songs. And these musicians had been serving and serving and serving and serving, and I could tell they were all absolutely toast. They were like zombies, just going through the motions, and Mr. Wallace is driving them, and they're all like obedient zombie slaves. Yes, we'll play that song again. And when you, know, when you watch the video, you don't know that, but there are parts on there where they were fried. They served and served and served and served. And then I came back the next Sunday, and some of them were in the band again. After all they went through to launch that thing, they served and spent themselves. Good stewards. How am I doing on time? All right, let's go to one more. Did you know that serving makes you glad? Anybody want to be glad? Serving makes you glad. Those zombies were glad zombies. Let me show you how Paul says this, Philippians 2.17. Sorry, ought to be verse, oh, it is 15, you're right. Go ahead back to 15, my, my bad. We'll start in 15. He says to the Corinthians, I will most gladly, serving makes you glad. You can serve with gladness. I will most gladly spend, here's my stuff, here it is for you, here's my resources. I will most gladly spend and be spent. That's what those musicians looked like. That's a good word. They looked spent. Paul says, I'll gladly do that for your souls. If I can serve other people, if I can minister to other people, look how he puts it. Now go to the verse that I messed up on, Philippians 2.17. He says to the Philippians, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering. Now that's Old Testament terminology. There were various ways you would offer gifts to God in the temple sacrificial system. And one way is you brought a drink and it was poured out around the altar in the dirt. You were, you were giving that away, pouring that out to God. And Paul says, if you make me an offering like that and pour me out in the dirt around the altar on the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. You just come to church, would you? You come to Cornerstone Church and on the way in say, I will most gladly spend and be spent for their souls. You come into Cornerstone Church and say, even if I'm poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and offering of their faith, I'm going to do it with gladness and I'm going to rejoice with them all. Poured out as a drink offering. That sounds about like kids' ministry, huh? I mean, you don't go in there and say, this is going to be so much fun. Well, maybe some crazy people do. 
I won't sugarcoat it. When you serve in kids' ministry, there are days when it's rough. Anybody seen Braveheart? Yeah, five times or something. Remember the, remember the scene where they've got him on the table and they're torturing him with implements in his bowels and stuff, in his stomach, in his intestines, and they're torturing him? It's not quite that bad. But it can be rough. Remember in William Shakespeare's Henry V, there's a great um, film of that starring Kenneth Branagh, awesome Shakespearean actor, where they're trying to get into a city through the walls and they've got a breach. They've got a hole in the wall and they've been up there battling in the breach and they come back out. (laughs) And then King Henry says to them, once more unto the breach, dear friends, once more. Cornerstone Children's Ministry is the breach. You come back out after one Sunday in there, and Brittany says, just take a week off, and then next Sunday, once more, into the breach we go. But it's for their faith. It's for their faith. What an amazing place to serve. So serving in the Bible. Now I'm going to do a little bit of recruiting. As I begin to do a little recruiting, let me tell you, and you can just go ahead and legibly please put your name and email address on that little card. We'll talk about the blocks in a minute. But I want you to know, I, I don't get to be downstairs serving on Sundays in our children's ministry. I never get to be down there. I'm up here. But I heard an idea from another pastor somewhere, and I started doing it. I came up with with a way that I could serve in our children's ministry. I don't know if you all know about this, but I'd like you to know about this and tell some friends. Every Wednesday morning, I read what I call a Bible bedtime story with Pastor Steve. Say that five times real fast. A Bible bedtime story with Pastor Steve. And I record that, make a video of it. First, they see me, and I'm talking to the kids. Hi, boys and girls. Pastor Steve, you know, from church. And then we go to the book, and the the camera's on the book, and I'm pointing to the lines and pointing to things in the pictures, and I get to talk to them about the story. They're Bible stories illustrated for children. And at the end, I get to turn the camera back on me and talk to them one-on-one about them and God and their souls and their life. And it's amazing. And I've had parents write me and say, oh, our boy loves the Bible bedtime stories with Pastor Steve. It's a way that I get to serve in our children's ministry. And we're going to open up some ways that you could serve in our children's ministry. But before we do that, I'm going to ask Emily Riley. Emily's here to talk to us today about how children's ministry affected her life from when she was a girl and about how you serve nowadays. So Emily, go right ahead. Good morning. I just want to take a few minutes to talk to you about one of the opportunities to serve here at Cornerstone, uh, which is in the children's ministry. I was very fortunate as a child to grow up in a church that had a very strong and active children's ministry. Um, One that I could connect with not just my peers, but with other adults who I knew were praying for me and were supporting me in my walk alongside my parents. I still have a charm that I received from one of my teachers Uh, that I had received as a gift after I had worked for a very long time memorizing a particularly long passage of scripture. And as I was thinking about why I've kept it all these years, really it comes down to, it's a symbol for me. 
not just of my walk, but of the people who supported me along the way. And so now as a parent, it's really important for me and for my husband, Jeff, that our children grow up in a church that also has a strong and active children's ministry. One where they can connect with peers, but also with adults who they can trust. Adults that are praying for them, that they can ask questions, um, and who are supporting them in their walk alongside my husband and me. And we are very fortunate to have found that here at Cornerstone. I work downstairs with the toddlers, um, and it, there are some very sweet moments, particularly with the toddlers when they're making connections between the scripture and what they're learning at home and what we're talking about that Sunday in that message. They get so excited whenever it connects for them and they can share that with us. They're excited to show me the craft that they did or they want to sit on my lap while we're reading a book um, or while we're singing a song. I will say, Steve, it is fun. <laughs> it is fun. Um, whenever I work downstairs on Sundays, I, I get every, all of the um, lessons in advance. I show up on Sunday. Everything's been prepared for me. The crafts are ready. The activities are ready. There's a lesson plan so that I can really focus my time and dedicate myself to serving the kids so that I can pour into them the way that people poured into me so that I can create a safe space for them, and ultimately so that it can be fun, because what we want is to create an environment that they want to come back to every week. If you have questions about serving in the children's ministry, I'd be happy to talk with you one-on-one -on -one about my experience, or please reach out to Brittany Atwell, who's our director of children's ministry. The one thing that I just wanna leave you with is as I was making the decision about whether or not I would serve downstairs. Ultimately, I knew that I would never look back and regret that I'd spent my time pouring into the children of this church. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emily. Really appreciate it. And I, uh, I wanna talk for a minute about two areas of our church ministry where we really need volunteers in order to successfully go to two services. Like we don't wanna to go to two and then have it fail because there weren't enough people to serve here and there weren't enough people to serve there. We want it to work. Ordinarily you take six months to get a church ready to go to two services. We're doing it in one month just because we can. No, we, we really can't, but we're gonna do it anyway because we're kind of forced to. I wanna to talk to you about working in connections and working in children's ministry. What is Connections? Connections is, there's five or six teams in Connections. There's door, you're greeting people at the door. There's floor, you're incognito, greeting people that you don't know. There's desk, you're working behind the Connections desk. There's a kids check, they call it kids. You're helping check in families, get their children safely checked in. There's ushers, there's communion. So about six teams, all under one of our pastors. Uh, he manages those teams, he cares for those teams. Um, think about the door. I've often thought about that door, and I think of it as a, it's a portal of hope. That's what I call it. I've had that name in my head for quite a while. It's a portal of hope. What do I mean by that? Somebody's coming here today. They have a hope. They've got some reason. 
nine times out of 10, maybe 99 times out of 100, they've been to our website again and again and again and again and again, and they decide, I'm gonna go see that place for a reason. I need more of God in my life. I need, get, need to get back to Christ. I, I need to make better friends. I need whatever it is that they're realizing they need. Um, I need to go to a church. I'm gonna to go to that one for some reason. And they, they pull in and they're nervous. I hope this isn't gonna be weird. I hope they don't have snakes and stuff and whatever. Um, I hope I, I hope I like it. I hope I can meet somebody. I hope there's nothing awkward. And they get out of their car and they look. The people who are walking in look okay. Nothing scary about them. Well, a few of you are scary looking, but um, and they get to the front door and they meet Ross McMullen, and it all goes downhill from there. <laughs> No, they meet one of our friendly door greeters, and it was a nice experience. And why does that matter? Because impressions are being made that prepare hearts or deter hearts from the Word of God that's coming in the worship. And you could serve at that portal of hope. They get to that portal. They're about to pass through. I am hoping I'm going to meet people who will love me. I'm hoping I can find God. I'm hoping I can get my life turned around. I'm hoping this might help our family and my marriage that's failed. And they're coming with a hope. I'm hoping I can find a place that will preach Bible to me. Uh, and, And we have teams who help them in and help them connect. And we need folks to work on those teams. We need volunteers. You see the card you got? Look in the backside. I think about four of the blocks on there are for those teams. If the Lord puts it in your heart, maybe even if he doesn't, can you help us out with those teams? I'm going to ask you to check off a block on the card and turn them in at the connections desk after the service. This next part's completely tongue-in-cheek, but we have three really big men in this church, and I'm posting one of them at every door out there. And you don't get out the door until you've turned in a card and something's checked. Just kidding. Just kidding a portal of hope. Think about the children's ministry. Think about this. We hand you a room full of little sinners and they're a captive audience and you get to teach and preach the gospel and Christ and the stories of scripture to them. We hand you an audience that's going to listen to you as you lead them to the Savior. Talk about low-hanging fruit. What a great place to serve. You say, well, I'm not getting to evangelize anybody. Everybody I know is a Christian. I've been saved so long. Oh, we can hand you a group. And some of them do know Christ, even from an early age. And you get to start conforming them to the image of Christ and packing Scripture into their souls and building them up in the Savior. And what amazing days those are and we will hand you we will hand you a group to whom you can minister God's word or you can be a helper with that group so the other person there is ministering God's word it's amazing it's hardcore front lines evangelism and teaching where else do you get that so I want to encourage you please take that card fill it out we need people to serve We need to keep making space so more people can come, hear God's word, grow in Christ, come to Christ, bring in, build up, bring them into Christ, build them up in Christ. Help us 
so we can serve. If you're online with us, there's a video description. There's also a, um, a button in the middle of our homepage on our website where you can connect with us to serve. Take either of those routes, the description below the video or that button. If you're in the room, use the card and serve. He came to serve. Will you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, make us servants like our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Teach us to deny ourselves, to give, and to serve. And Lord, would you, in your, in your mercy, in your goodness, would you raise up for us the volunteers, the servants that we need, that we may keep bringing in people who need Christ and then building them up in Christ. Make us a people who serve. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Stan.